So before the advent of Outlook, I worked really hard to keep an up-to-date calendar in a hard copy. And I used to diligently, very diligently write down every appointment with every specialist or any parent who was going to come in and see me any day. I'd, ring, I'd write down diligently in my uh, diary and I'd make sure I was ready whenever they were to come in. The problem I'd have though is that I'd get to work every morning and get caught up in all the things to do that day and forget to actually have a look back at the diary. So it was a perfect record of the things that were going to happen, but because I never actually looked ahead to, to what was meant to happen that day, people would turn up for these appointments I'd schedule with them and I'd have this blank look on my face when I realised I'd entirely forgotten they were ever going to be there. Yeah, that's it's always hard, isn't it, to kind of keep an accurate, you know, diary and I find it at this stage even now I even though I use Outlook regularly, I actually struggle to keep one efficient diary at the moment. You know, I find that I've got a few, so... I keep more than one on the go. Yes. Um, I've got the calendar up in the kitchen with, you know, um, family events and things on. I've got... I use my iPhone calendar, and then I'm sure I write some other things down as well. So I haven't got to that point yet that there's one effective... And then also now, actually, also with my TLN work, there's also that calendar too. So at this stage, I'm actually juggling quite a few calendars at the moment, which is ridiculous. So that leads us to our big question for today's Teacher Learning Network podcast, which is how can Outlook improve your professional life? To me, the, the real question of this becomes nearly everybody uses Outlook as a tool for email and managing email. But there's so many other features in there and so many different ways of using it that maximising its use for your professional life is actually a really worthwhile topic. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think at this stage I'm using it kind of on a minimal level. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually looking forward to finding out maybe how I can use it a little bit more. You know, my main use um, is really just for emails. Yeah. yeah, and a little bit of calendar work, but... Yeah mainly just for emails at this stage. I mean, I've worked with someone who uses the calendar section significantly to plan a work day and, and plans it sort of the minute detail in, in what will be done each day and then doesn't actually follow those, those steps that have been planned out to do. And so it's interesting that even with the best intentions and, and, and really solid knowledge of how to use the software doesn't actually always lead to changes in, in, in work processes. There's also a reading that we've had a look at in relation to this case um, by Neil Selwyn. It'll be available on our website if you're a member of the TLN uh, that accompanies the podcast. You'll be able to log in and just get a copy. Um, and in it, he's discussed the idea of uh, the, the impact that technology's had on teachers' lives. So it goes beyond Outlook to um, uh, applications like Compass and other uh, sort of uh, learning management systems and communication systems with families. Yep. What did you take away from the article? Um, look, I found it quite interesting um, to, you know, how he spoke about not only that it's not just teachers, because I feel like sometimes it's just mm. us, like yeah. we're um, constantly working outside of hours. And yeah. sometimes I just feel like it's our profession only. Yeah. I know there are a lot of other professions, but lots of other people that I know seem to have their only nine to five and walk away, you know, with no extra work to do. But it's quite interesting that he said here that, um, lots of other professions are blurring that um, work and leisure time mm. too. And I know I get quite caught up um, <clears throat> in reading emails, yeah. you know, over weekends or at night yeah. or first thing in the morning. So I definitely, it's interesting to see that 
he's said that that happens as well, yeah. I, I think you and I are two of the worst people I've seen <laughs> for that. Yep. Um, we've both sent each other and then replied to one another's ridiculously timed emails. Yep. Um, so I saw yours a couple of minutes. Well, I didn't see, read it until six o'clock this morning, but yep. I saw it was 4.56am <laughs> it was sent this morning. I, I was trying to give you a bit of a warning about something, so I thought, oh, well, but, at least... But still, this is kind of, you know, but when you think about things, it's easier to send them on, you know, rather than as well, yeah. Which is a good trap that he, he points to, this idea of, I think he uses the idea of um, clearing, in, in quotes, people's email boxes and how that actually significantly leaches into what's meant to be leisure time. Mm. Um, and, and you're right in his identification that it's not just a, an issue for the teaching profession, it's much more wide than that. Um, but, but it is, I think, something that, yeah, people are feeling increasing pressure to respond to emails from yep. principals and parents yep. in, in after hours. And especially when you start emailing them and replying fairly quickly, then there's that expectation to mm. keep replying, you know, yep. or to, they know that maybe you've you've already read their email. Yep. So you feel that need to have replied with yeah. Um, I, um, within a quick time, I actually spoke to a teacher at a conference a few weeks ago and she was saying her school's got a, I think it's like a 48-hour policy mm -hmm. or something with emails. And yep. so she was saying from the last two weeks of her school holidays that mm -hmm. she was getting constant messages from parents, teachers, the students. Mm -hmm. And so she felt this, never quite felt relaxed over her holidays yeah. because she had to make yep. that reply. Yeah, that's... Yep. That, that, yeah, that's really disappointing because it, it saps holidays of their value, which is a chance to recharge and make sure you're ready for the next term. The other point that I really liked within the um, within the article was, um, well, actually two things. One was that he wasn't being overly um, catastrophic about the idea of what, uh, what technology is doing to education. He was quite balanced in also talking mm. about some of the positives. But another one of the, <laughs> the, the traps was this idea that... Um, it, in some ways that it's used, uh, technology can be disempowering for teachers. It, it turns teaching into a really sort of robotic checklist-style process. Some of the um, learning management systems that some schools use involve such uh, strong monitoring by uh, leadership within the school that teachers feel that you know, there's, they no longer have any professional autonomy anymore. I just recently came back from a conference where that was a fairly strong theme amongst some of the researchers, and it was regularly thought that uh, this this lack of autonomy, this lack of professional autonomy was leading a lot of teachers to consider their future and their career mm -hmm. and whether it was something they wanted to keep doing. Yep. Um, so in that sense, yeah, used poorly, technology and education can be the kind of thing that makes people want to leave mm, education. Mm, mm. Yeah, look, and I've had that discussion with um, a few colleagues as well that they're feeling much the same in a primary setting. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was because of the, like the LMS kind of systems? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, I'm just trying to think what... So remember, the article will be available on our website for anyone that's looking to engage with it. There's um, that as well as the opportunity for you to generate a certificate for listening to today's program if you're a member of the TLN. Uh, Kate, should we move on and yep. talk about introducing our guests? Yes, so let's do that. with us today, we've also brought along Daniel. Daniel Cohen's the... Um, online learning officer here at the Teacher Learning Network, and I think I've got your title wrong, haven't I, Daniel? Uh, I think I'm the program <laughs> coordinator these oh, days. Oh, okay, cool. Um, 
I d- so many things. <laughs> I know. Our, our job titles are kind of meaningless here, aren't they? Um, Daniel um, is, is sort of our, our resident technology expert, so that's why we've brought him along to, to sort of to help us look at this question about how can Outlook improve our professional lives. And I know Daniel uses a lot more of the features than probably mm. you or I use, Kate, in yeah. Outlook. Um, so firstly, welcome, Daniel. How are you going? Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Um, so we want to ask a few questions of you today. Um, can you tell us about what you do in your current role here at the TLN and, and how you use Outlook to improve your professional life with, with some of those tasks you have here? Yeah, sure. So my day-to-day role is as program coordinator, I manage all of the events, that all the professional uh, development sessions that we run, mm-hmm. um, which involves liaising with the presenters, liaising with participants and with uh, wherever we're hosting the session, so the room hire, all of that kind of thing. So that's all email-based just to communicate with everyone. Yeah. Um, internally, there's managing our roster to make sure that there's enough staff to actually cover all of the roles uh, that are involved in running an event Mm -hmm. Um, so there's the use of the calendar Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, and I was listening when you were talking earlier about the overuse of the calendar Mm. Um, we have a shared calendar that we use um, which allows us to put all of the events in as scheduled meetings so that you can see everything that's on so I um, make sure that's accurate and keep that up to date and then use that to invite people to uh, be part of that event so that they know they are involved in that specific one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so there's the rostering that goes with the jobs um, through the calendar. Um, I also use the uh, task uh, to-do list. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I, when I was teaching, I, I, in fact, now I still use pen and paper to um, record a lot of things despite... Um, it being on file that you have acknowledged on the tech person, Mm -hmm. Um, I still rely on paper and pencil because I feel there's a memory thing that helps me keep track of that. Um, But when I was teaching, I used to use paper and pencil a lot Mm -hmm. and there are so many different things I do in my role here. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to try to have a central spot that I could access, Mm -hmm. so I used the task Um, uh, the task list to try to keep track of all the jobs that are coming up. Um, Yeah, so so that's the main overview of what I do and how I use Outlook. Um, You said you had a few questions, so what what is it that you want me to go into about those? Well, we're going to start sort of right back at the beginning. Um, And if you can talk about how long you've used Outlook for. So I I assume you were still teaching... Yeah. Um, back sort of when you first started using Outlook, mm. um, what, what, what was your impressions of Outlook? You know, when you f- when you first had access to it as a teacher, and how did you use it back then? Yep. As opposed to how you use it now. So, the first time I used Outlook was when I started teaching. Mm-hmm. I'd never used it before that, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it was purely uh, it was set up for me so that my work email was on the laptop that I had, mm-hmm. and I used it just to receive and send emails. Yeah. Yep. And there were lots. Um, and that was that was really all I used it for. Um, I knew there were all these other functions in there, but mm-hmm. I was too busy working with the kids and trying to plan everything mm-hmm. to really spend time to look at doing 
all the other things that could be done on the computer, despite the fact that I was the IT coordinator. So, yeah, it was really just, and I'm sure mm. um, you're still practising teaching, yep. well, not practising, you're employed as a teacher. Yes, yes. Um, the day-to-day stuff gets in the way, so it really does, be, for me, it became just send and receive emails. Mm. And, unless you're, it's something that you're doing automatically, like maybe you are now. Yeah, it's really hard to, while you're in amongst trying to, you know, juggle lots of things and then trying to learn about maybe mm. using Outlook or, you know, mm. effectively and seeing what there is and maybe it was a need that, you know, yeah, that you've come across. So when when did you start looking at through those other features well, and using them? I first found out about the features just as you were talking. I remembered um, the business manager at my first school um, would put things into a shared Outlook something for uh, the principal when the principal had to schedule meetings. So I knew it could be done, but for me it was, I don't need to do that because all my meetings are coming from parents and they don't have access to my email. So this is back a few years ago when parents weren't just given my uh, teacher's emails as a matter of course. Um, So they had no way to access my personal thing and it was only colleagues that could really contact me through Outlook. Um, And we worked together and we planned and had meetings together as part of our day. So we never used those functions. So it wasn't until I started my role here at the TLN where I've had meetings with more than just the people that I work with that's um, created the need for me to actually start using the features of Outlook to manage my time. Yep. And it's a shame because there are some benefits to what I do that could have really helped me when I was teaching just to manage my own personal day. Um, but yeah, but it, yeah. Helped. so it wasn't until I got out of teaching that I, I saw a need to really get into it. Yeah, oh, that's interesting, yeah. And what, what do you think you've picked up on and been able to use here that would have been really useful when you were still teaching? Um, so I was listening with great interest to what you were saying about the workload mm. um, that you were talking about with um, managing outside of work hours. Um, being able to allocate my time to tasks and to have certain events coming up, like I know school concert's coming, so I know the week before I need to spend some time in the art room preparing some props for the kids. Um, I was a primary teacher, by the way, um, so there was a lot more of my involvement um, in making things. Um, Being able to schedule that and have some central way of tracking all of that with the reminders, I think, would have been really helpful because there are so many things that come up trying to remember everything gets really difficult and having lists and lists and lists in multiple different yes, places yes. gets difficult. So, yeah. And then I suppose being able to invite your colleagues to that conversation to, you know, to that reminder as well so that they'd be seeing the same thing rather than sending out an extra email saying, reminder, you need to be in the art room tomorrow night. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And I think it's interesting you use that example because that's what I do now, but I remember attempts to try to send reminders through the computer yep. I know some of my colleagues didn't get to their computer until 5.30 at night because they were busy doing other things yep. so by then the reminders already gone and they've missed it so yep. there's a real thing about what the work patterns are in the workplace 
Um, and it, what people give their attention to as to how useful that's actually going to be. Yep. Um, but I think if we had have made that effort, like you're saying, and it would have, over time, once people got used to it, it would have made things much easier. Yeah. So can I summarise that? Because I think there's some real value in what you've said there, which is there's a lot of time management theories that talk about the idea of having um, a clear head to focus on what you're doing. Mm. So being able to have lists and, and trusted places to store what it is you need to do is really valuable because it keeps your head clear for everything else. Um, so instead of putting a, a time-locked event like the need to have um, uh, costumes ready on your general list that you would look yep. at every day, by putting it as a sort of in, as an appointment into your calendar, even though it's only for you, helped you clear your head of it and know for sure it was going to pop up at the time that it mattered. Yeah, and, and I think the point you were making before where you can spend all of this time putting all of those events in and then hmm. something happens and you don't do them and yeah. now you have to reschedule all your yeah. things, um, that's where it starts to detract. Hmm. But just as a way of going, right, I know I've got this coming up on Thursday, I'll put it at 9 o'clock hmm. so I know I have hmm. to do it um, and it just has to be done on Thursday. It's not yeah. I must do it between 9 and 10. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be a really good way of making sure the things that are priorities uh, are checked off yeah. without constantly worrying mm. about it in the lead-up to that day. I suppose and that goes to my initial story around having the diary with all these things in it that you forget to check. Yeah. That's what I like about Outlook is that it can be set with... Um, notifications so it actually yep. pops up into your face yep. and makes a noise and says you're meant to be doing this yes um, I use it for quite a bit for that now yeah. I put in appointments that I've got with people so if I've forgotten and I'm driving to work when the notification mm. pops up yeah. saying I'm meant to be somewhere else at least I know that I'm meant to be <laughs> yes. somewhere else yeah exactly and I think just on that point it's um I try to reserve those reminders for the important things mm. like I need to go and meet someone yeah Otherwise, I have all of these little jobs I mm. need to do that pop up and yep. I snooze and I snooze yep. and I snooze. And I think my record is a day and a half of snoozing a particular thing. And you go, well, it kind of defeats the purpose of putting the reminder yeah. there. <laughs> Only about an hour ago, I changed one of my pop-up reminders to <laughs> remind me again in seven days. Yep. Because <laughs> I went, I'm not even going to get to this for another week. Yep. But I think that's a really good point about being able to prioritise the things that are on your um, list of jobs. Because mm -hmm. especially in teaching, there are some things that come up. The kids come first. Yeah. And so they will always take priority. But if you know there's something else, you can just kind of remind me seven days. I'll get to that next week and focus on this issue. So how did you move from that initial period of, um, you know, only really using it for an email system what was your process for learning more about Outlook? I'm trying to generalise things here yeah. so that people listening can, you know, come up with ways that they can learn more. How did you learn more? What's the best way of finding out about a new function? So drawing on my teaching background, mm -hmm. there's a whole thing about scaffolding. So I didn't just get into Outlook and then go through every single menu item and start yeah. pressing everything. It was, okay, I'll, I'll do it in stages and just start with little things. So the first thing I think I did was there's a little red flag on the emails mm -hmm. that you can tick. Um, and so that flags that this is important and it, it's like a reminder that you need to pay attention to this yep. one. So that's the first thing I did. That little red flag also adds it into the um, to-do list. Oh. Um, 
which is then how I started becoming more familiar with the to-do list because I'd flag emails and then add other jobs. And so then I had my to-do list that I could work through. Um, and then just over time, um, I started using more and more of the features. So then um, the calendar became more important. So as I um, became uh, more settled into my job, I had more need to start meeting with other people. Um, so then I'd use the calendar to start scheduling those meetings. And once I was putting meetings into the calendar, then I started playing with categorising different types of meetings. So the orange ones are with this organisation and the red ones are with that organisation, that sort of thing. So then I knew what was coming. Uh, and then um, in the last six months, I've started playing with the inviting people to meetings. Mm -hmm. yep. So I don't have to do a phone call. I can just, the meeting will automatically add into my calendar when they send it to me. So starting to use some of those automated functions rather than doing everything manually. So yep. just over time, getting more and more familiar with the bits it can do. Mm -hmm. how, how do you learn more about functions, Kate? Um, I think I need to, like, there needs to be that need first, you know, and I suppose I need to be open to it and have the time, like we've, mm. you know, talked about to do it. But then also, I think having some conversations like this has mm -hmm. been, you know, interesting. Like, I know even recently we were having a discussion about how to send emails later um, uh, yeah. to delay yeah. them. And after that discussion, suddenly that has been something that I've actually thought about and actually have used since. So I think have, listening about what other people are doing and how it helps them, um, but then also, yeah, needing to have that play and just doing it for myself. And hopefully then it kind of becomes a little bit more automatic. So, Daniel, you're better than Kate and I in uh, making sure that uh, you're not moving too much of your email time outside of your work hours. Yes. And... One of the tools you've used more recently, you told me, was that delayed send yeah. mm. option um, so that even if you were working out of hours, other people didn't feel obliged yep. to respond out of hours. Can you talk me through yeah. Yeah, both sure. why and then how you do that? Yeah, so I, uh, my teaching background especially, I feel strongly about the idea that you are paid to do your job and then you get to go home and have your life. Mm. And having a baby at home at the moment... Um, means I've felt a real need to separate work and family. Mm -hmm. um, so I think being able to switch off is important. But I've got the email on in an app on my phone. So when yep. I flick through the apps, it says there's 23 emails waiting for you. And I look at it and go, gee, there were none when I <laughs> left. What's, yep. what's happening? So you, I... <laughs> I'm, I may be better at it than you, but I still do mm. check because I start to worry and I go, I don't want this to hit me when I turn up. Mm. But I'll look at it and go, right, this is just automatic reminders, but this one's important. So I might um, deal with this now so that it's off my mind and mm. I can relax. Yep. But I don't want people to know I'm sending emails. At, what was that for something in yeah. the morning? <laughs> There's a four something in the morning. Yeah, there is. Wow. Yep. <laughs> that blows my mind. Um, so I, I know I do a lot of my um, thinking when I'm trying to get to sleep. So uh, I just go, if I go and deal with that, then I can switch off and mm. actually get to sleep. Um, so if you open an email in the current version of um, Outlook um, and open it, instead of previewing it in the thing, you open it as a separate window mm -hmm. where you type in the email, um, you get more um, menu items at 
the top, and one of them is delayed sending. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you click that, uh, there's a setting that just says do not deliver before, and you can set a time. So I can say it's 11 o'clock and I'm responding to some email that I just want to get out of the way. I say don't send until after 9am the next morning. So then when I switch my computer on, it sits in the outbox until that time and then Outlook sends it. So whoever's receiving that doesn't get the idea that they can contact me at 11 o'clock at night and be able to sort things out. Mm. It goes out during work time. And I think that's a really important message to give um, because we do, uh, and um, like you were talking about with that article, I think having a um, work-life balance Mm. is a really important thing, um, both for the organisation that's employing you, but for your own personal mental health and your family, um, there needs to be something. And this can at least create the impression mm. that you're not prepared to do those responses in your personal time. There's yeah. a two-way way of seeing that, though. You've highlighted how important it is for you personally, but I also think there's a level of respect there for the other person as well because it doesn't then put a pressure on them to continue yeah. to respond. Mm. Yeah. So it's not just for you. I think there's, there's a two-way level of respect in, in doing it like that. Yeah. Um, just on that as well, mm-hmm. I think um, I've been out of teaching for a couple of years now working at the TLN. Um, so there's been a bit of a shift that I've seen in dealing with parents. Mm. And I know that it's mm. a lot more common that parents have your email. And I think the, the school communities knowing that teachers are available at this time Hmm. to interact with and outside of this time not only is it good for the teachers in their personal health it's good for the parents to know that school is finished Hmm. and now we're at home and I'm the parent and this is family and they, they may have issues they want to talk about but then knowing that they can't just jump in and get the teacher's advice at that time I think is a good message to have that, no, this is your time as a family, um, positive or negative, Mm. this is your time to deal with things. And I think that's a good message to have out there as well. My favourite thing with the delayed sending, I haven't used it for a long time, but I first discovered it in a previous job uh, before I started teaching. And I had a, a, a sort of a late shift role. And during this late shift, it was just me and one other colleague. And so the day I first discovered delayed sending, I set up a series of emails to go to her after I left the building for the day. Um, so it was like, oh, hi, how are you going? And I'd ask her a couple of questions. I had it like sort of triggered every 10 minutes for, for about half an hour or like 45 minutes. Yep. Um, and, and, I, and I left and she was there for another two hours after me. The next day she came up to me going, oh, my God, what did you do to me last night? I was wandering around the floor everywhere looking for you. I couldn't work out what was going on. I, you know, and then they kept coming through and I kept yelling out and you weren't here. I was so proud of it. It was one of my greatest moments in that job. Yep. It wasn't, in, it wasn't entirely a, a fully rewarding job in any other way. <laughs> Um, but again, the power of Outlook. <laughs> yes, exactly. You also raise notifications, Daniel. So on a phone, yeah. you get the little um, the little number telling you how many emails yep. you've got sitting yep. unread. On your uh, computer, usually it sort of makes a noise or does some mm. sort of notification. One of the things I've done for my own mental health is actually turn both of those mm. off. Yeah. So Outlook is on my phone with my work account attached to it, but 
I, I found a big shift in my own sense of well-being when I turned off that little number yeah. notification. Yeah. So it's there and I can check it when I feel like I want to, but it's not calling on me to check it in the way that it was beforehand. Yeah. I've got the same. Yeah. There, there's no indication something new has happened yeah. unless I go looking for yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I did that on my computer too recently. It took me a long time to make that change, but uh, it used to stop me from being able to focus on one individual task, even if I was trying to, just the knowledge that it was sitting there, you know, oh, there's something I haven't looked at yet. That was too much for me. Yeah, Since yeah. I turned it off, I can go sometimes a couple of hours without without realising I've got a, a number I've of noticed, new emails. because now I go a couple of hours before my questions get answered. So. <laughs> that's, that's only because I refuse to speak to you in person. <laughs> One of the other things we want to look at is what it is that you want to explore in Outlook in the future. Yep. Yeah. So what is it that you know exists as a feature and is something that you would like to play around with or a feature that you've already used but think you could get a lot more power out of? Is there any of those? Um, I love the calendar, absolutely. It's everything involved with the calendar. So um, I know I can put a meeting into the calendar, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't done much more than, than that. I know I can invite someone to be part of the meeting, but... I don't actually use that to manage who I need to talk to. There's still yeah. emails that go back and forth oh, yeah. and then phone calls sometimes as well rather than just this is the meeting and send your messages through this meeting. That's the best I can describe it because I actually haven't looked into it, but yeah. I know there's that. And then um, I, I mentioned before the colour coding, actually organising the kinds of meetings that I have because mm. a meeting with... Um, a, a department official is different to a meeting I'll have with one of our presenters, which is different again to an internal staff meeting that we'll have at the TLN. So being able to colour code them or do something to actually schedule them and then have that link to the tasks that say, have these tasks done by this meeting um, would be another way of actually managing my time and trying to be more efficient because um, then I'd have a better idea of what I need to have done by what times. Kate, given our discussion today, is there something you heard or something that you know of about Outlook that you'd be interested in finding more about? Um, I, I think actually trying to use Outlook or some calendar process a little bit better, you know, and, and even suddenly I was thinking about home and maybe how then I could invite family members to certain things, reminders and things that I had and maybe trying to get my calendar all in one. <laughs> you know, that would be a good idea. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of probably something that I just really need to make sure that mm. I do more often. What about you, Max? I've, I've always been fascinated with that task list thing and I know yeah, you use it, Daniel. And I've never too. quite managed to get it to work for me. Um, yep. One time I did use it, I put quite a few tasks in there and then entirely forgot about it. And <laughs> several months later, found this task list in Outlook and went, oh, well, well it's... Well, so six months ago, yeah, I guess yeah, that's yeah. done. It's so late now. <laughs> if I do it now, it's actually worse. So <laughs> just, I'll just forget about them. Yep. <laughs> I, I think one of the benefits of, if, if I got good with a task yep. list, would be I keep a written task list that I'm actually showing both of you right now. Yep handwritten task list that sits on my desk, which is great, except for when I'm not working from the office, yes. which happens a reasonable degree of time. 
um, and, and it means I've got no idea what it is I'm really yeah. supposed to be doing yep. that. To me, um, that in conjunction with my calendar, tell me yep. everything I'm meant to be doing. So if it's on the calendar, I have access to it sort of anywhere. Yep. But if it's on that written, handwritten task list that's on my desk, I've got access to it only mm. here. So I can see the benefit entirely of it, but I've never quite managed to make it work for me. How did you... How did you manage to get it to work? <laughs> well, the the times where it doesn't work, where there's so many tasks, it disappears off the oh, bottom of the screen. See, I logged into your computer once and <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> it gets daunting. It's, it was terrifying yeah. for me to know that there were all those things that you thought you were going to do. At some Half point. of them were emails <laughs> that had been flagged, oh. so they disappear. Um, but it's what I was saying earlier. Um, that scaffolding thing, I started with just flagging emails. Yep. So then once I got used to going through, oh, I need to prioritise these emails and do something, then I started manually adding other tasks into the list and then that just became the place that I checked it mm. yeah. and that's how I managed. Uh, so it was a gradual thing. Yep. Uh, um, I think, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think this is also something that I think I need to work on because, yeah, I was writing, like, as I saw your to-do list, <laughs> I've got my to-do list on my desk. Yeah. But then also in my phone last night I wrote, like, my, you know, personal to-do list for this week. Yeah. But then also my partner, he always gets stuck into me for having to-do lists. He's like, oh, you're writing another list, are you? <laughs> so maybe starting something yeah. where it's all in the one spot and then yeah. working my way through it might be better. And just to get, you know, my mind at ease a little bit about, you know, yeah. which makes you sleep better or focus on other things. So, yeah, yeah. that'd be interesting The to other use. thing, just in response, it's slightly different. Um, the One of the things that I do with all my emails that come in, I've got the folder structure down the side. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I put certain... I've got an admin folder and I've got a courses folder and I've got a um, conferences folder and so on and so on. Um, so all the emails get... Um, filed away in those folders. So then instead of having individual emails that need to be follow-uped, I can just put a task clear out admin folder and then that's all one yep. big job that's all at the same time because it's similar kinds of things. And you mentioned the app on my phone. I don't use the Outlook app on my phone. I use the email thing that's built into my yep. phone that it gets into um so there's some filtering that's set up so that um any things that are admin automatically get stored in that admin folder in outlook mm -hmm. the app oh. doesn't do that automatically yeah um but when i open outlook all the filtering uh, rules yeah. that i've put on all of a sudden my inbox shrinks in half mm -hmm. because it just puts them all into these folders for me um so i should use the outlook app because I've got a feeling that will do a better job of managing that um, and I'd be able to set my out-of-office reminders easier through that as well. But for a lot of teachers who have their phone and it's just connected to their email, hmm. it may not do all of those things automatically. Yeah. So, Your point, Kate, is a really good one. I just had a quick look up. There's a book that I read once I really liked called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And one of his key points is this idea of having one central repository for a to-do list that yep. you trust. So it doesn't matter if it crosses over both work and personal lines. Yep. The idea that there's one place that you know everything is stored all together yep. and that captures everything. Um, he uses, and it was what I was alluding to earlier, he uses the term psychic energy. So it's the idea, not necessarily psychic, he is in mind reading, just the energy that it takes your brain yes, to remember yes. things. If you're constantly trying to remember the things that you're meant to be doing, 
it takes up a lot of brain power that you could be using to actually doing them. Yep. So his point is that having one centralised list that you know you can trust can mm. be really useful. Yep. And to me, that's when Outlook is at its most powerful, when you know pretty much everything that you need to rely on sits in there and you can forget about what's coming up because yep. it's going to remind you of those things. Mm. To me, that's when it, when it works best. And I could imagine it, um, not that I've been teaching this year, but mm. I was in a classroom last year, I could imagine that would have been so mm. helpful because, yeah, yeah it, when you're in a classroom and juggling lots of things, um, yeah, that would have been fabulous to, to learn. Mm. Actually, speaking about that, Daniel, now that you're, you know, at the tail end and now you're getting, obviously, you use Outlook in a range of ways, what would be some tips that you would now tell teachers that are listening to this? Um, what tips would you give them to, of how they, you think they could use Outlook better as a teacher in the classroom? So I'll preface it by saying a lot of it depends on how teachers already manage their work yep. because there are going to be some features that naturally make things easier and some things that are just a completely different way to how they work. Yep. Um, but I'll come back to um, that idea of starting small, set small goals, yep. flag emails, set up some folders so that you go, these are school, these are for students, this is admin jobs try to start organising in a logical way that helps organise your information. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you can flag the things that are priorities and then you can set some tasks and set some reminders and put some things into the calendar. But I'll come back to a point that Max has said in the past. If it's not making your life easier, then it's probably not oh. going to be helpful. Yep. So if you spend more time trying to organise all, all your yep. emails than you would in just responding to them, then that's probably not a feature that's worth doing. So but like our friend who creates a lot of calendar events, invites people to these calendar events, only to cancel the calendar events in, in, in the near future. I, I see a relationship yeah. there, yes. yes. However, I do feel wonderful when I get all of these cancelled notifications <laughs> come up. <laughs> Beauty, I'm out of something. Seven meetings I don't have to go to anymore. This week. <laughs> Kate, so if we move then to what our big question was, how yep. can Outlook improve your professional mm. life? And if you think about that at its, at its highest level rather than at a minimal, you know, single function, yep. what would be the framework you would take into that if you were to, after this discussion, to, to have a think about how Outlook could improve your professional life? I, my brain's going quite crazy at the moment. Yep. Like I can think about all these things that I want to do and then how it's really actually going to help me. So I'm kind of torn at the moment because I feel like there's all these things that I want to have a go at this yep. afternoon or tomorrow. Um but I think that having all these things in one place, you mm. know, emails, my tasks or things to do um, and a calendar, I think if I focused on actually setting them up properly, I think the amount of time that I would probably have back would be fabulous, you yeah. know, because rather than thinking about all these things and constantly writing lists, if it was all in one spot, I think the time that I would save would be fab would be really good, yeah. Uh, and Daniel, how about you? What would you take as, a, as the big takeaway answer to our big question, how can Outlook improve your professional life? I have a really positive outlook on it. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> when, <laughs> nobody will have been able to see the face of Daniel <laughs> But as somebody who works with Daniel, I know that's his face when he's got something he's pretty impressed with. <laughs> so, so this is going to be good. Oh, no, that was it. It was for the pun. That, that's all oh, I had. Dad yeah. oh, um, so <laughs> I didn't even get that. Then it was I a good one. Joke, I thought the yeah. emphasis was on the positive, not on the outlook. Oh, that's... That's oh, rotten. <laughs> um, so in terms of my professional work, I think being able to organise the range of different things that I have to do uh, in a more efficient way is um, going to make life better, both in the work I do and in the amount of mental energy mm. I spend thinking about mm. it. So, yeah. Because I think you're right there, Kate. There's time savings, but it's not just the time savings for me I think when organised more efficiently there's th that psychic energy mm. um, that Steve yeah. Allen book that you're not worrying about whether yes. you've remembered everything or not you, you have a trusted place where you know you're going to be reminded or you can consult when you need reminding thanks a lot for yeah. coming on today Daniel that yeah, was a fantastic, you, fantastic discussion um, remember everyone if you're a member of the teacher learning network or your school is a member of the teacher learning network you'll have the opportunity to produce a certificate uh, to acknowledge the professional development time you've spent listening to today's podcast just by going to our website which is www.tln.org.au and if you're not a member that's the same email address uh, sorry the same web address just put a um, slash join at the end of that thanks a lot for joining us Daniel and thanks yep. Kate uh, thanks Max thanks Daniel the Teacher Learning Network podcast is hosted by Kate Chinner and Max Grarock. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit teacher professional development organisation that's supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce online and face-to-face -face professional learning opportunities for educators in schools and early childhood services. We also publish books, magazines and apps to support the education community. To view a calendar of our courses and find out more about our resources, please visit our website at www.tln.org.au. The Teacher Learning Network is a membership-based organisation. Schools and early childhood services join the TLN to support the individual professional learning needs of their staff. Once members, all staff can participate in our professional learning at no extra charge. To find out more about joining, visit www.tln.org.au forward slash join. If your school is a member of the Teacher Learning Network, you can produce a certificate recording your engagement with this podcast. These are great pieces of evidence for your professional learning records. You can generate a certificate by visiting www.tln.org.au forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback or input about the issues we've discussed today or any other suggestions for future podcasts. Please email any feedback or suggestions through to me via max at tln.org.au. If you like this podcast, please rate or review it in your podcast app. It helps us reach more teachers. Have a great day and you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks.